Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. What's up, Stevens Creek? How are you guys doing? Good to see you. It is good to be back. Like Kelly said, my name's Dave. I was uh, served here for 10 years, and even though the Lord moved us to Texas, this is always home, and it is awesome to be back. So thanks, Pastor Marty and Patty and the whole team for bringing us back. Man, it's good to see you guys. You guys are looking good. I think you've lost weight. I think they've been working out. I can tell. All right. Well, before jumping into the sermon, Pastor JT asked me to do a quick announcement. JT and a team from the creek are actually serving in Brazil this week, helping to train and encourage some ministers down there, pastors down there. One thing I love about the creek is you guys say serve the world. You, you mean it. I mean, there's ministry happening worldwide all the time because of this place. But JT said, make sure you do this announcement. So here's the announcement. I'll start with a question. How many of you have Valentine's Day plans? That's what I thought. All right. You men are looking at me like, Dave, why would you ask that? Like, that's a lot of pressure. Like, my Valentine's Day plans are wait till Valentine's Day, go to Kroger, get the flowers on sale, go home, Valentine's Day's done. But hey, this year, I want you to mark your calendars for something better than just, still get the the flowers at Kroger, but better than just that, because for the first time, the Creek is hosting the XO Marriage Conference simulcast. Like Kelly said, uh, my wife Ashley and I are part of a marriage ministry called Marriage Today. And part of what they do is the XO Marriage Conference, which is, uh, is so much fun. It's really great. And it's the largest marriage event that we know of, uh, this ha- happens anywhere, is the XO Marriage Conference simulcast that is happening Valentine's Day weekend. And the Creek is hosting it this year. It's the Friday night and Saturday of Valentine's Day. And this is so fun. All right. Some of you, you guys are looking at me like, that sounds like a really lame way to spend a weekend It's not. It is so much fun. And I can promise you this, if you and your spouse come, you will leave that weekend having laughed a whole lot, feeling closer to God and closer to each other than you were when you came in. That that is a guarantee. And another quick announcement about this. uh, It is a weekend that we're honoring those who've served in our military. And thank you, thank you to those of you, those families uh, who have served. A very generous couple in this church wanted to help... um, serve you who have served us in so many ways. And so for every military couple and first responder couples, our firefighters, police, EMTs, all of those couples, one couple in this church has prepaid your way to come to this conference for free. So it is a gift for you. Thank you for all that you have done. Yes. Thank you for your service. But hey, even if you're not coming free, it's affordable and it's worth it. All right. So get your flowers, but still be here that weekend. A few, few quick updates, I guess, before we jump into the sermon. A lot of you have asked how the family's doing. thought a picture's worth a thousand words. I'll just show a few pictures. So here's the family from a few weeks ago at one of our XO marriage conferences. We just brought them all out on stage. Got Cooper, who's like my height now. Uh, Connor, Chandler, Chatham, sweet Ashley. I married way out of my league. Um, Cooper wears this Dunder Mifflin shirt often, which is for his favorite show, The Office, which he wears because he says, I remind him of... Michael Scott, I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. (laughs) It's a great show. Now, some of you have asked, what is life like with four boys? Well, 
if I could describe it in a picture, it would probably be this next picture. There's a lot happening here. First off, Chatham is in his underwear. Boys are just in their underwear. That's, that's their natural habitat. My wife Ashley grew up in a house with one sister. She's like, is this normal? She's always asked, is this normal, whatever they're doing? Is it normal that they're just in their underwear all the time? I'm like, yes, I would preach in my underwear if it was socially acceptable. Like, it's just what guys do. And so he scraped his knee, which happens like every 30 minutes. And he needs a Band-Aid for everything. He thinks that Band-Aids have like magical healing powers. So he said, I need a Band-Aid. Well, he asked his big brother. Big brother didn't really want to look for Band-Aids. So he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll make him a Band-Aid. And he did it out of duct tape, all right? So that's a manly Band-Aid. It's still on there like a month later, so it really did work. No, we did, we did get it off. But that, that's a picture of life before boys. We have a lot of fun, though. And uh, so thank you for those who follow along on Facebook and send us encouragement and all that. We, we love, one thing we love about technology is it helps remove the miles between friends. And we've got so many friends here, and it's been great to stay connected to what's happening in your world and for you to stay connected with our, our crazy crew so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the family. They're doing great. They wish they could be here, uh, but hopefully next time we'll be able to bring, bring the whole family because they miss you guys a lot. Now, when I knew I was going to have the opportunity to be back at the creek today, there was a message that, that I was just kind of burning on my heart that I really wanted to share. And it's a message about how we are called to impact the next generation. And this isn't just for parents, by the way. If you are a parent I think that there's extra significance in this message, but really the Bible is clear that for parents and those of us who are not parents, or maybe your kids were grown a long time ago, or maybe you don't have kids at all, but yet for all of us, we share in this collective responsibility to pass on to the next generations very specific truths and values from God's word. And our kids today are growing up in a time that is completely different from any other time in the history of the world because of the technology that's available to them, because they're surrounded by constant images of like news and conflict and drama and people fighting on TV and fighting online and, and they're, they're carrying around in their, their pockets, whether if they have smartphones, and even if they don't, they're exposed to it. A lot of things through technology that can actually be harmful to them. In fact, I was reading a book recently by Max Lucado called Anxious for Nothing, which is about the epidemic of anxiety in our culture right now and what God's word has to say about that because God wants us to have peace. And on the first page of this book to kind of set the stage, he had a report from this very prominent psychiatrist who said that children growing up in America today, children show as much anxiety as the average adult psychiatric patient in the 1950s. So kids today, our regular kids, just going through their life, bouncing around between all their activities and trying to juggle all the things we throw at them and then trying to manage in their little mind all the, the chaos that's out in the world that they're exposed to way too young, they're carrying around more anxiety than somebody who was being treated for anxiety as an adult patient decades ago. And so we, we've, got to do, we've got to do more to protect our kids and to give our kids a foundation of faith that's going to help them weather the storms of life. And we need to make sure that we have that foundation in our own life as well. Because life is changing fast, right? I mean, when I was a kid, like if you wanted to send an email, you had to like block off an afternoon to do it. You guys remember this? Like America Online would send you the CD in the mail and you'd be so excited because it's right, a CD. They would send you a CD and you'd put it in. You kids today don't know how good you have it. And then you would have to put it in and it would, it would, when you were online, you couldn't get on the house telephone because this was in a time when telephones weren't in your pocket. 
telephone was in your house and it was plugged into the wall and it used the same, the same line as the internet. Does anyone else remember this? All right. So kids today are like, what is that old man talking about? I know I'm getting older. Like, I mean, if I was a banana, I'd have a lot of brown spots by now. I get it. But like still, like it wasn't all that long ago. If you wanted to get online, everybody had to get off the phone. You had to yell, hang up the phone. I've got to get online. And if you wanted to make a call and you'd pick it up and you'd hear this, and you'd have to yell at them to get off the computer, it was a very different time. All right. So just painting the picture, a lot's happened in a relatively short amount of time. And now technology, which is a gift. I'm thankful for it. A lot of the ministry we do is because of technology. We have a podcast and and do a lot on social media. I'm thankful for it. But the technology has also, it it has caused our kids to feel like they need to grow up a lot faster than they're meant to grow up. And so just to start the conversation, I think we need to acknowledge that and kind of commit to help protect, just protect childhood um, in a world that seems to be doing everything that it can to to rip innocence away from kids at a younger and younger age. And so how do we do that? How do we really protect the next generation and impart the truths to them that God wants us to? I love what Psalm chapter 78 says. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his powers and his mighty wonders. So if we will not hide these truths, what are these truths? Like, what is this referring to? Well, the Bible actually has a lot to say about what these truths are. Many things that one generation is responsible for teaching to the next generation. And there are lots of them, but for the sake of the time that we have, I'm going to focus in on three. There are more than three. But if we'll start with these three... I think it'll give our kids the right foundation. And these, by the way, are truths that we never outgrow. These are truths that we as adults need to remember. And maybe one or more of these, um, you were never taught growing up. And it's not too late for you to say, I want to make that a foundation in my own life right now moving forward. Because God, he's got big plans for you. And those plans will only be realized when we're building our life on the right foundation, which is his work. All right, so truth number one, we must teach the next generation That Jesus is the only path to eternal life. It's always been true. It's never been more pop. It's never been less popular to say that. It's never been more controversial to say that. This statement causes fights and it offends people deeply. And you know, I don't think as Christians we should ever go out of our way to offend people. But if we're going to offend people, let it be with the truth of what Scripture says. And this is the truth. Jesus Himself said it. John chapter fourteen, verse six. Jesus told him, I am the way, not a way, not one of the ways, the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There are many other exclusivity claims in Scripture given to Jesus as being the only way, and yet we live in an increasingly pluralistic world where people say, no, 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 there's all kinds of ways, and whatever's right for you, that's right for you, and this is right for me, and this is right for me, and, but who, who am I to judge anybody else? But Jesus said, look, I'm the way. And he was so clear about it because he didn't want there to be any misunderstanding. If there were more than one way, if there were countless ways, trust me, God would not have sent his only begotten son. God would not have come to the earth wrapped in flesh to live a perfect life and die a torturous death on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. If it was one of countless ways, it was the only way. It was the only way the penalty of our sin could be atoned for. It was the only way a bridge between the brokenness of mankind and the perfection of God could be bridged by one who came to be both God and man. Jesus is 
the only way. And all of us have access to him. He didn't come just for one certain kind of people. He didn't come just for the rich. He didn't didn't come just for the elite. He came for everybody. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God loves you and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But we live in a world where we're so afraid that the truth might offend somebody. And so instead instead of proclaiming the truth that Jesus so clearly tells us, we're, we're afraid to say anything. You know, I, I saw a recently, a, you know, a video online that, that really got me, challenged me, it convicted me. It was, uh, it was from a, a magician in Las Vegas. He's half of the act pin and teller, pin. He's been on Celebrity Apprentice. He's been on all this. He's, he's a celebrity. He's, he's been everywhere. And he's a very uh, outspoken atheist, and, and almost kind of hostile, really, to things of faith, but very intellectual. And, um, you know, he's, he, he will defend why he believes what he believes. But after one of his shows, something happened to him that, that kind of slightly changed his perspective. A man came up to him after one of his shows, and he said, hey, hello, sir. He said, I came to your show. He said, I'm, I'm a fan of your, you know, your entertainment. And, uh, and I know you're an atheist, and, and I, I hope this doesn't offend you. He said, but... I brought a Bible, uh, and, and I wanted you to have it, because I figured you didn't have one. And I wanted you to know that, that there is a God. I know you don't believe in him, and that's okay, but there is a God, and he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and for mine, and, and he wants you to be part of his family. And Jesus has changed my life, and that might sound weird or bizarre to you, and I, and I get that, but he's the most real thing in my world, and I just... I just love sharing that news with other people. And, and I hope one day you'll give your life to him because uh, he loves you and he's got great plans for you. So thanks again for the show and hope you enjoy the Bible. And so Penn said thank you and he went back to you know, his penthouse hotel suite you know, where he goes after his shows and he opened up the Bible. He started looking at it. He started thinking about what had just happened. And he decided to pull out his phone and get on social media and do a video about this experience he just had. And this video has been you know, seen millions of times. You can look it up. And he's talking to his social media followers, and he said, something really interesting just happened to me. He said, a Christian came up to me after my show, and he shared his faith, and he, you know, he told me God loved me and had a plan for me, and that it, and I should give my life to Jesus, and that I could be forgiven and set free. And he gave me a Bible... And he said, I've really been thinking about this. And my question is, to you people who call yourself Christians, why is he the first one who ever told me that? He said, how much do you have to hate me to believe that I'm going to go to hell without Jesus and then not tell me about Jesus? How much do you have to hate me to walk by me and to see, you know, see me and to see other people like me and know we don't believe and yet not tell me the truth. And he said, and I don't believe, but I've not met anybody like this guy who seems like he really does believe. And if there were more people like him, maybe I would. It was challenging to me because I've been that guy that's just been silent a lot. And just to be real transparent, it's much easier for me to talk about Jesus from a stage or from the other side of a camera than it is to somebody sitting next to me on an airplane or, you know, 
wherever. I'm afraid to offend. I'm afraid to create awkward tension. And yet if we really believe that this is the best news the world has ever known, then why don't, why don't with boldness and with love, why don't we declare it? Not, not in a way to try to beat people down or to spit hellfire and brimstone at them because that doesn't work. The Bible says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect, two things that are missing from the modern discourse in so many ways. But what if Christians were known for the truth with boldness, but also for gentleness and respect as we gave it? If we would do that, I think that we would spark more conversations instead of just more debates. And people might start to discover that Jesus really is who he says that he is. And we've got to start by telling the next generation, he is the way. Because our kids are being taught something totally different, by the way, like as, as you know. Like, he, even like when you scroll through Facebook and even people that claim to be Christians, the stuff that they put online that has anything to do with spirituality is out there. You know, I have this guy that's a friend that, that you know, claims to be a Christian and he put something online yesterday and he was like, hey guys, I got a big job interview coming up and I just want to ask for your good thoughts, your good vibes, because the universe has got something for me. The universe is going to open some doors for me. And I just need your good vibes sent my way. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, the universe doesn't have feelings. The universe doesn't care about you at all. Now, the one who created the universe, he loves you more than you can imagine. But this whole, like, you know, the universe this, the universe that, it's really just modern-day paganism. I mean, for thousands of years, pagans have been worshiping that which has been created, the sun, the moon, the stars. Now we do the same thing. We just pretend we're more intellectual when we call it the universe, but it's, it's, the, it's the agnostic's way of saying, yeah, there's, there's much more out there than I could possibly understand or comprehend. But even though I can't possibly understand it or comprehend it, I'm willing to definitively say it's not God. And that's just the height of, of arrogance and pride. We've got to be willing to say it's God. God is the one who made all things. God is the path to life. God loves you and he wants to know you. That can only happen through his son, Jesus Christ. We've got to teach that to our kids and we've got to live that in our own life. All right, number two, we must teach the next generation that healthy relationships with God and with people are the most important part of life. Jesus said this. Like, I'm not making any of this stuff up today. This is all from Jesus. Someone asked him, teacher, which is the most important commandment? The most important commandment. It's a big question. Jesus answered it quickly. He replied, you must love the Lord your God. It's first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Jesus is saying, do you want to take the whole Bible and boil it down into two things? The whole point of life and boil it down into two things. What are those two things? Love God, love people. That's it. You think, but I don't even like people. Like, how can I, how can I love them? I can't help how I feel. Most people are jerks. You know, what I love about scripture is that God calls us to do things all the time that we can't possibly do without his strength. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not, I can do all things through my own strength. God wants to give you the strength to do the very things he's called you to do. And love, by the way, isn't a feeling. It doesn't mean you have this kind of warm, gushy feeling for, for you know, a person. Love is a commitment. It's a choice. It's an action. It's, it's a choice to, to put the needs of someone else ahead of yourself. It's a choice to care. It's a choice to recognize the dignity and nobility in another human being because they're created in the image of God. 
And then your feelings will usually catch up. And so we're called to love God, love others, and even love ourselves through that lens, as, as broken, as imperfect as all of us are. And relationships with God and with people are really the point of life. You know, the Bible teaches this. I, I learned this in a unique way growing up. My mom was a hospice nurse, great organization, cares for people in their dying days, helps them, you know, live relatively pain-free and dignifies some of those final and sometimes painful moments when someone's dealing with a, with a, a terminal illness. And mom would take me on these house calls with her, uh, and I would just hang out with dying people as if it was like a normal kid activity to do. And hanging out with people that are dying and, know who, and they know they're dying, it will change your perspective. So what I learned is that whether this dying person was young or old, rich or poor, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their level of education, regardless of their life experiences, at the end of life, it's amazing how much the same we all are. And what I learned from these dying people is that at the end, and here's a sneak preview of what's going to matter to you when you're at the end of your life and mine. Every significant joy a person has at the end of their life is the result of a relationship. And every significant regret a person has at the end of their life is the result of a relationship. That's it. I never had anybody sit there and tell me, if only my golf game would have been a little better, I could die happy. You know, if only... If only I'd have traveled a few more places, that if only I would have shopped a little bit more, if only I'd have, I'd have gotten one more promotion at work, my life would have really mattered. Not that those things don't matter, but I promise you that when you're dying, it won't be what you're thinking about because I've hung out with people who are dying. But over and over again, I would hear things like, you know, God has been so good to me and I'm so thankful that he's given me strength and, and peace right now and and. I, I just can't wait to see him face to face. I'm ready. So many times we're surrounded by loved ones and just so thankful for those relationships that that person had invested in all their life. And now the people holding their hand, it's like they're just so, there's nothing more valuable on this side of heaven than, than those people. But then I've heard other people that, you know, are often alone in those final moments. Besides my mom, the nurse, and me, this random kid, talk about the regrets they had, to talk about the mistakes they made, to talk about some of the selfish choices that alienated the people that, that they should have been there for, and what, how they would give anything to go back and make it right, or how they would give anything to go back and start following God earlier, because while they're thankful now, maybe they found God on their deathbed, and they're so thankful that it's never too late and they know they're going to be with Jesus in eternity, the realization that they'd, they'd wasted their life chasing after things that didn't matter instead of following after God and all he has for them. You know, I, I was challenged this week by a, a pastor I followed for a long time named Francis Chan, who is one of the most successful pastors in terms of outward success and selling books and speaking to huge crowds. And he went on a, a mission trip recently with his family to some unreached parts of Asia where they were ministering to people, teaching to people that had never heard about Jesus before. And seeing these, these, these poor people in these communities that had never heard about Jesus being saved and being baptized and, and being willing to do that in places sometimes that are so hostile to the Christian faith that you could be arrested even for it. And these people are finding such life and such hope. Francis Chan got home and he said, you know what my family and I decided to do? We're moving to that part of Asia. 
He said, I could just stay here and preach at conferences and live a really comfortable life. He said, but one day I'm gonna stand before God and I don't think he's gonna ask me how comfortable I was. He said, I wanna live courageously for him. And there are people that haven't heard about Jesus and I wanna be a part of introducing them. And not all of us are called to, to pack up and move to some other country, but right where we are, we need to think what really matters most. Am I living my life to grow closer to God and closer to people? And am I living my life to help other people grow closer to God and closer to other people? It really is that simple. That's, that's what life's about. Now, the work of relationships is kind of the, 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 a ministry that I feel called to in a special way. My wife, Ashley, and I, you know, we, when we transitioned from the creek, it was to work full-time in marriage ministry. And so we're, we're part of a ministry that just helps people with their marriages because we've, we've realized that if, if that relationship is strong, then generations are blessed. Every other, person, every other aspect of a person's life can be blessed as a result of that marriage relationship being strong. But marriages are under attack. And when that marriage is, there's friction and there's tension or division, then it can create so much pain. And it, not only for the two people, but it has a ripple effect out. And so most of what we do is about just marriage. But then we started thinking, wait a second, so much of the, the pain and the brokenness that people are experiencing in their marriage, it's from wounds and from baggage and misconceptions they got long before they were ever married. It starts young. And with our four sons, how do we equip them with the tools that are going to help them in a world that is over-sexualized, in a world that is so broken when it comes to concepts of healthy relationships and love and, and gender and marriage and all of these things? Like, how do we help them navigate this and understand who they are in God and then not only to respect themselves, but to respect young ladies and eventually be great husbands and dads. And so I spent several years researching this and actually put this together in a new book, which I was so grateful that the Creek invited me to, to bring with me today. It's called Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. Now there's a girl version of this book that could be written, but I'm gonna leave that to someone who actually has a daughter, right? Because I know nothing about raising daughters. And so I thought I'm gonna... I'm going to be laser focused on this one. It'll be about raising boys to honorable manhood and, and, and for me to try to embody those, those same things, to be reminded of what God says about uh, being, being an honorable man. So I actually brought some of these. And when you buy this book, by the way, you can feel really good about yourself because all of the proceeds from this book actually go to feed hungry children. Um, they're actually my four hungry children, but... <laughs> <laughs> but still, they're starving, and Costco is getting really expensive, and so it, it helps. So you buy a couple. Actually, they're, they're almost out of them, which blew my mind. Uh, I think there's, there are not very many left. So if you get back there and they don't have any left, you can go to Amazon. But um, th thank you. Thank you for feeding, feeding the children. And I do hope that the message of that book is an encouragement to you. I mean, really, it's... Um, I, think it's, I, I do think it's an important message. I know I'm a little bit partial as a dad of four sons, but there's so many, there's so many lies that our, our, our boys are growing up hearing, and I, I just wanted to be a part of shining the light back on the truth of what God says about these things. All right, one final, one final one. We must teach the next generation that they matter to Jesus and they matter to us. The thing I love about this church is that you go to the website and it says, you matter to God, you matter to us. And that's, that's not just a motto. That's, that's in the DNA of this place. And 
you know, there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you stick around any church long enough, someone will hurt your feelings because the church is full of imperfect people. Um, and if nobody's hurt your feelings yet, it's probably because you're the one who was hurting people's feelings and you didn't realize it. Because all of us are imperfect, but God's grace is so strong. And we need to be reminded that we're loved by God. We're loved by the family of God. And those are relationships that are meant to last forever. I love that Jesus, in a time when, when children weren't valued, in a culture that ch- children weren't valued, and, and really in a, in a culture where women weren't valued, which is something I talk about in the book as well, Jesus radically elevated the status of women and children like no one had ever done. Um, and specifically, since we're talking about kids in this, you know, in this particular sermon, here's one of the examples of how he did that. Because it was at a time when people just looked at kids as a distraction and a nuisance until they were old enough to actually start working and bring in money. And that was where their value was. And Jesus said, oh, no, 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 they are priceless just as they are. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. But then Jesus called for the children. He said to his disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. You know, I've I've talked a lot about the things that we need to teach our children, but I love that Jesus also reminds us there are some things that our children are meant to teach us. If, you know, we, we need to be around kids, even if we're not parents, because there are certain things that kids do so much better than adults that we're called to do. God calls us to, yes, maturity and wisdom, responsibility, those good aspects of adulthood, but he also calls us to things that the kids do, and we were never meant to stop doing. He calls us to joy. He calls us to faith, like a childlike faith. He calls us to, you know, a, a, a playfulness where we can enjoy his presence, to laugh with him and to enjoy life. Kids do this way better than adults. You know, kids know how to laugh. Most adults, when they start laughing, it looks like it's painful for them. You know, it's like they just seem so unnatural. Kids know how to trust and have faith, right? I mean, the kids, that, that's the kind of faith we're called to. One thing that I love about Jesus, and there's so many things I love about Jesus, he's the one person, the one in all of the universe who can help you become more mature and more childlike at the same time. He'll help you grow in your wisdom and your maturity to bring out the most responsible and mature version of yourself. But at the same time, at the same time, help you grow to be the most childlike version of yourself. So full of joy, so full of faith, so tenderhearted in a world that is so cynical. Jesus wants that for all of his kids of all ages. And these are things that we need to help our children to understand. All this is only possible when we're basing our life on God's word. Jesus said, told a parable that essentially said, storms in life are gonna come. You can either build your life on a foundation of a solid rock, that's God and his word, or you can build your life on a foundation of sand, which is no foundation at all. When the storms come, and they're gonna come, storms are gonna hit you whether you're a Christian or not, whether you have a foundation or not. But if you have your foundation on God's word, you'll weather the storm. And so we we have to build our life on God's word. So I wanna wrap up my message um, just by reading God's word to you. I've, I've put together some of the scriptures that were like most meaningful, impactful to me when I was young in the faith. And 
many of these have continued to guide me um, as I'm getting, getting a little bit older. And so I know it toward the end of a message, there's an instinct to just like tune out. Like, what do I got to do? I got to go to Kroger after this and I got to go here and that. Where are we going to eat? Take all that out of your mind for a second. And these next couple minutes might be the most important couple minutes of your week. Because these aren't my words. These are all straight from God's word. And when God's word is being proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is moving. And he might have brought some of you here today because one of these verses is just for you. One of these verses is his answer to that very thing that you've been praying about. And I was so honored to be able to have some time just to read these. When I was first starting out in ministry, I had a preacher mentor of mine back in Kentucky. And he said, now, Dave, listen, whenever you preach, be sure to use lots of scripture. That way you'll be sure at least something you said is actually true. (laughs) It's good advice. So I want to make sure I end with something that I know for sure is actually true. And so you can just read, and not read, but you can just listen to this. These are going to be on the screen behind me. If one speaks to you in particular, I want to jot down the the reference. This first verse is specifically for those of you who are young here today. I think the rest of them are for all of us at all ages. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. But be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, your love, your faith, and your purity. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The Lord is my rock, my savior, my fortress. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, power that saves me in my place of safety. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you might be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there is nothing that can ever separate us from your love. For those here today that might struggle to believe that, 
because they feel distant from you or because they feel disappointed by life or maybe they've been disappointed by their own actions, whatever it might be, I pray you would break through the barriers that we build up keeping you out and that we would invite you in today. Whether watching online or or here in this service today, if you wanna know Jesus in that personal way, just pray a simple prayer like this in your heart. Jesus, save me today. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. Adopt me into your family. Make me a new creation. Help me to be the person I was made to be. And for all of us, Lord, help us teach these truths to the next generation and live them out in our own life. And I do pray for our kids specifically in a world that is so bent on wrecking our kids with wrong messages. I pray you would protect our sons and daughters. Let them grow to be a righteous generation who would know and love you and proclaim your goodness in their world. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.